Cool morning. It's September 24th. Time for another episode of Spooktember, a daily Halloween prep podcast. Hi, everybody. My name's Gavin. I'm the host, as I have been for the last many nights, many days of September. And today, I'm going to turn it over to a wonderful guest host who's going to tell you about a book that you're going to want to go out and get immediately. And I'll, I'll give you some options for that at the end of this. But until then, here is Chad Ellis. Hello, Gavin. This is Chad Ellis, and I'm here to talk to you about what I do to get in the Halloween spirit. Specifically, what do I read to get into the Halloween spirit? Now, here's the thing with like holiday themed books. I really love the idea of them. Um, Like it's so exciting being at the bookstore where I work and live uh, and getting all these books with like pumpkins on them or during Christmas time with like snowmen on them. Uh, And you're just like, oh, yeah, this is going to get me in the spirit. The problem is who has the time? Uh, Last year, I started Agatha Christie's Halloween party, which like technically takes place right after Halloween. And I I got like a third of the way through it. And then Halloween was over. And I was like, well, I don't want to finish this book because it's not Halloween anymore. But reading is important. Uh, You know, as much as I love my Halloween specials and I love my Halloween uh, snacks and cookies and whatnot, uh, I also like to get a good read in. So to me, the best, most accessible easy reading you've got out there is Ray Bradbury's 1972 novel, The Halloween Tree. The Halloween Tree is, let's see, my copy is about 140 pages, and this print is pretty large. The chapters are really tight, so you could just read a chapter in a couple of minutes. Um, And man, if this isn't the most like Halloween book possible, uh, especially for how much of it is just made up. So Ray Bradbury, if you're not familiar with him, very important American author, uh, wrote things like Fahrenheit 451, wrote The Martian Chronicles. Uh, he's involved in TV, he's involved in all kinds of things. And back in the 60s, he wanted to make an animated film of the Halloween tree, wrote a screenplay for it. They didn't make it at that point. So he adapted it to this book. And I'm so glad that he did because the prose in this book is so good. Just the the reading this book is an experience. Like, when you're young, at least in America, I know not all countries have the same kind of Halloween traditions, but, and it's fall and you're going out and you're going to meet up with some friends and you're going to get into Halloween antics. There's just this anticipation that comes with it. Um, There's this image, I think, even if you don't have that experience personally, that you can relate to just from consuming other media. So I'm just going to read you the, the first page of this book. It was a small town by a small river and a small lake in a small northern part of a Midwest state. There wasn't so much wilderness around you couldn't see the town. But on the other hand, there wasn't so much town that you couldn't see and feel and touch and smell the wilderness. The town was full of trees and dry grass and dead flowers now that autumn was here, and full of fences to walk on and sidewalks to skate on and a large ravine to tumble in and yell across, and the town was full of boys. And it was the afternoon of Halloween. So, like, just from the get-go, we've got this, like, great image, and it doesn't stop there. 
the the plot I should tell you about just what is this book about? Like ultimately what this book is about, this book is about death and death traditions. Um, but how it transfers that story into our heads is we have a group of eight boys, question mark. Like it says boys, but I think it's more communicating the boy-like energy. A big part of this book is they're all wearing these costumes. And even when they first meet each other on Halloween night, they're not positive of who's behind each one. And it's vague enough where I, you know, I, I read it as a mixed group. Um, so these boys are getting ready for Halloween antics. They've all got their own costumes and they notice that one is missing. There's eight of them. They usually have nine. Um, and the ninth is this kid named Pipkin. And Pipkin is described as the greatest boy who ever lived. Like, there's an entire chapter dedicated to just how Pipkin is the greatest boy who ever lived. There are different relationships with him. He's like their inspiration, their leader, their Peter Pan. Um, Pipkin's not there. And they go to Pipkin's house. And he is deathly pale. And he's not dressed up in a Halloween costume, which is blasphemous. Uh, because he's like the embodiment of Halloween. And he tells them, you know what? Go down to that spooky house. Trust me, I'll meet you there. And they go down to the spooky house. And the house is very spooky. And on the front is what they call a Marley knocker, which is like from, you know, another classic ghost story. The Christmas Carol uh, has like Marley, the, the figure who turns into a knocker. It's got a Marley knocker and they go and knock and they do their trick and treat. And the door opens and there's this spooky figure on the other side this tall suit white-faced evil grinning figure and this figure is like the santa claus of halloween his name is carapace clavicle mound shroud like mound shroud is just uh, immediately they're going trick or treat and he just laughs at them at the idea of treat and just says trick and then the house starts opening up and things go wild and this tree grows out of the ground and it's covered in pumpkins and jack-o'-lanterns and this is of course the Halloween tree um, I would read you more segments except for this book just constantly flows into the next part I'd be I'd be giving you an audio book um, but Mound Shroud is looking at these kids after messing with them and he's looking at their costumes and he's saying do you even know what these costumes are like do you know what you're wearing and the kids are like we really don't he's like all right well i'm gonna take you on an adventure and mound shroud sucks them into the past and they go the book as far as like plot point to plot point is them going through all of these ancient cultures um well from ancient to like more recent the, these cultures uh, and specifically like the death rites of these cultures. We go to ancient Egypt, we go to Rome, we get a lot of Celtic stuff in there. We end up going to Paris into the catacombs, um, Mexico with Day of the Dead. And uh, fair, you know, fair warning, because I know podcasting is a very international audience. I don't think a lot of this stuff is accurate, right? He's like, oh, you are dressed up like a mummy. We're going to go uh, explore this. Um, but then again, a lot of the stuff he says about Halloween isn't necessarily accurate. It's, it's a work of fiction. And the purpose with all of this is to not only show these kids that they are participating in ancient death rites and, and these like festivals, um, but also to give them a deeper connection. Because if you remember Pipkin, the greatest boy who ever lived and how he was deathly pale, Pipkin's pretty much dead. Like, maybe he's not dead, but he's probably dead. 
and they start figuring this out. And eventually they have a confrontation with Pipkin. And he, Pipkin is like in this basement filled with mummies and he's too afraid to come out. And Mount, and they're like, what's going on, Mound Shroud? And Mound Shroud's like, well, you know what? He's, uh, I mean, he's probably dead, but if you want to save him, uh, you can make a bargain. But it is a dark bargain and don't make this bargain lightly. And he takes out the sugar skull, which had a significance earlier and breaks it up. It's Pipkin's skull. Um, and the deal is, if you each give me one year of your life, um, at the end of your life, uh, you'll die one year earlier, Pipkin will live. And uh, and he really hammers home like the math involved in this and what this could mean for their future. But he's just like, you. this is the deal you're making. A year, you know, a year before you should die, I will show up and I will say, give me your life and you'll have to give it up. Uh, and they, of course, do it and, you know, go back to get Pipkin. Uh, but this, I, it's so cool because, like, when you're reading it, like, here, I'm going to flip these pages for you. It feels like if you buy this book new at a bookstore, it's like, a, I, I think this is the 2001 cover, and it looks like an old book. It looks like something you would find at, like, your elementary school library. Uh, the cover has these illustrations of all of these kids in their various costumes but when you're a little bit far when you're far away from it all the kids together just look like a giant skull there are mushrooms around um and in this book is wonderful artwork like the last art piece is just one of mound shroud with this cloak in like the galaxy it's all like pen and ink um and mound shroud is just this kind of like gaunt mummy like simple figure but I mean, how perfect for Halloween that you, you've got this weird dude who's just showing up and dragging kids around um, around the past and around all these other countries and being like your friend is dead um, and talking to them about the Halloween tree and getting people in touch with the traditions. Like, I, I, I love this book. Uh, you know, once again, the writing is so good. Um, it, it's it feels like a fable. Because these kids, while we have, like, Tom Skelton, the skeleton, um, and others, oftentimes they're working as kind of like a monolith. Like, they'll all respond together, or he'll, like, point out, like, a couple of them. So they have, like, little personalities, but mostly they're all chiming in together in a way that makes this feel like a fable. Like, I, I, I do consider this, like, a, you know, one of, kind of like American folklore. Um highly recommend picking it up uh the it's us dollars it's 5.99 um i always order a bunch of copies into our bookstore every year because i, I find a lot of people either don't know this is, this book exists um or they might have read it in the past and they've kind of forgotten about it which is a crying shame everyone should have this book uh and and just read through it during the holidays there is also a movie and here's the deal i haven't seen the movie i read this book every year i haven't seen the movie um, it was done in the 90s, so it has a very kind of like Mighty Max like animation to it. Um, but I've heard good things. I think it won it won some awards. I think it won an Emmy. Um, and it is cool that while this was originally supposed to be a screenplay, it eventually did like get to that point where he made an animated film of it. Um, the other neat piece of trivia with the Halloween tree. So after you have your copy of the Halloween tree and you read it and you ideally pass it on to somebody else so that they can read it and then you just go get another copy the next year. Um, if you ever end up at Disneyland, I know Will Williams had an episode earlier talking about the Haunted Mansion and what was going on at Disneyland. If you go to Disneyland during Halloween, uh, the Disneyland in Anaheim in California, 
uh, and you go to Frontierland. Will is actually the one who told me this when I went last year. Uh, they have a Halloween tree. Uh, on Halloween night, 2007, Bradbury, while he was still alive, went to Disneyland for this presentation. And they put up a plaque and designated a Halloween tree for him. Now, it's not as like impressive or wild as the book, but th- this tree is like impossible in the book, right? It's like as big, it's bigger than the house, and it's just. Oh, the the images, but it is so cool that this guy has a spot in Disneyland. And if you ever end up there, I highly recommend checking it out. And also, like, I hear good things about the movie. Maybe I'll watch it. I mean, it, it's not like it was just ripped from a classic book. It was, you know, made by the guy. Um, but I would, I think I would, if you can, read the book first and then watch the movie because the kind of images this book is going to put in your head, I'd hate for that to get hijacked um, by the limitations of animation. That is my whole bit on the Halloween tree and my Halloween traditions and, uh, so much fun reading through this book again, just to communicate this all to you. Uh, sorry for the longer episode. Happy Halloween. I uh, hope it's all going well for you. Bye. Thank you so much, Chad. If you want to check out Chad Ellis's stuff online, he produces a very good isolationist horror audio drama called Station Blue about a person who is hired to be the caretaker of an Antarctic research station during the terrible, dangerous winter, uh, and things go very wrong. It is very creepy, it is very appropriate for this season, and it also deals with some pretty heavy topics, so please take note of content warnings on that one, but I cannot recommend Station Blue hard enough. Well, enough. I don't know the word I should say there. Also, Chad is co-host of uh, The Christmas Mistake, which is stylized as The Xmas Mistake, in which three friends watch Christmas uh, Hallmark movies, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a really, really good podcast. And if I were to, oh, I don't know, do a Christmas version of Spooktember, I might recommend it on an episode. Hmm. Uh, But yeah, that'll about do it for this episode. Now, I just want to briefly touch on something. I think I've mentioned this on Spooktember before, but this is both good if you want to read the Halloween tree and just if you're a reader at all. If you don't already have this, I highly recommend going to libraryextension.com and if you use Google Chrome or Firefox, you can install an extension that will put a little box over any buy button on any major retail website. So like if you look up a book on Amazon on the right side of the screen where it usually has buy now, one day shipping and all that, that'll get jogged down the screen a bit and a new box pops in and it'll show you if that book is at your local library and if it is currently checked in or not. So all you do is just punch in your local library's details and the library extension will just automatically search the database of your library to see if the thing that is currently on the page is in the system and if it's checked in or not, which is fantastic. It saved me so much money on books that I kind of sort of wanted, but I used to like just buy books for the heck of it. And now I can like use this library system that is in my city that is amazing but I always forget about because it's it's 2019 and brains only have so much capacity left. Speaking of, we only have so much time left. Thank you so much for spending these minutes of your day with me and thank you so much Chad for guesting. If you want to listen to more Spooktember, please do subscribe on your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, whatever suits you. Just click that subscribe button. It really helps. And that'll about do it. Until tomorrow, remember, keep it real, keep it scary.